This is the Techno Shaman's podcast. I'm your host, the Techno Shaman, and today we have Ralin as our guest. Ralin is a hip hop artist inspired by life experiences that nourish his poetic style. He delivers his socially conscious poetry, showing his scars to others so they may stop hiding their own. Before I introduce him, let's take a moment and breathe in through our nose and exhale out through our nose. Without further ado, Rylan, how are you, sir? I'm blessed, man. How are you? I'm okay. I'm okay. Um, Rylan, so you reached out to me on Instagram and you asked to come on the show. I then did some research and I was intrigued, really. I was. Um, so tell us what led you to reach out. Oh, um, Instagram. I'll scroll through Instagram sometimes and then I'll see, I'll see people like people's like, like ads show up, I guess you mm. could say. And I think, I think you showed up, either you showed up in an ad or somebody showed up in an ad that had, been connected to your podcast so i went on to your on your page i read about your page i watched a couple of the short clips you had and i it intrigued me to be like hey this would be really cool to get on if i could get on it nice nice awesome and here we are uh that's so cool um tell me a bit uh tell us a bit about yourself your upbringing your family life growing up and you know maybe your school life uh anything you want to share about your uh life growing up Oh, that's a long story. <laughs> Where would you like them to start? No, just your upbringing, some family life, um, just, you know, um, maybe school life. Okay, well, I grew up in like, uh, I grew up in poverty. And when my earliest memory was, wasn't a very good memory. It didn't it didn't really help me grow as an individual growing up knowing that memory when I was younger but now that I'm older looking back at all the memories that could be taken as negative I take them as as a positive like I find the positive in the in the negative memories and the stuff that I've gone through so when I was the when I was around age five or six I don't know exactly maybe my sister would know or one of my brothers but I remember the police took me away at three in the morning from my from my mom's house, and I got put in this place called the nice uh, crisis nursery, and it's for kids that get taken into the welfare system when it's like three in the morning, when it's after hours, basically. So it's like it's like a little place you go to until you can see a, until you can see a social worker the next day. So my phone. My earliest memory of when all of my where all my trauma started happening from was that memory. I would I would have to say because I remember laying in the bed, smelling stale blankets. Like it wasn't it wasn't a smell that was familiar to me. And I remember laying there and I'm like, "Don't cry, don't cry," and just wondering where my mom was. But when I got older. When I was in my 20s, I found out what this place actually was. It was a really, it was really a, a nice place to be at. These people really cared about the children that came there. So looking back on it, I honestly would have rather been, would have rather been there than like sent anywhere else in that moment because who knows where else I would have been sent to. So getting sent to a place like that at a very young age and being protected by by the system in a sense was was really nice to know years later. Mm. So so I feel like that's where it all started though. Like where the roots of the issue started with who I was and with my growth. And now coming now coming to an age where I'm understanding the man I'm supposed to be, it's it's really refreshing because I used to be so negative and like don't get me wrong, I still have my negative points where I'm like where I'm like just swearing or getting mad at things and even sometimes blaming things for the situation I'm in. But really things have happened to me and yeah, some people are to blame and some situations are to blame, but I, I'm to blame for the way that I react to them. 
that's really what it really comes down to. My reactions are my responsibility. Right. So when I, so with that, so it, it's a really complicated story because like I was in and out of foster care constantly from the age of five to the age of 16. So when I was, I've been to so many different schools and a lot of the schools, when I went to them, I was bullied as a kid. Mm. So I remember being bullied in, uh, in grade school because I was, I was the biggest kid in the class. I was, I think I was taller than most people in the class. So grade three to grade six, I was bullied for being fat and nobody wanted to be my friend. No girl wanted to be my friend. No boys wanted to be my friend. And the only friend that I had, his name was Gary. And <clears throat> we became friends because I saved him from getting beat up by the, by the one kid that bullies everybody in the school. But like, and the experience I had there, it wasn't, it wasn't really positive, but I did have one life-changing experience when I was in that school. And I guess you could say the bullying is also life-changing, but I mean, life-changing in a positive way. Mm-hmm. was what this what the teachers did was they didn't want to deal with me so what they did was they would pass me from grade three all the way to grade six not really teaching me anything so when I finally made it to grade six I had this teacher named Miss Katz her name was actually Jennifer Katz and uh she uh every time I would act up she would be like I'm not giving up on you you just have to go home today and you can come back tomorrow. Wow. And to ha- and to have a teacher like that, be like I see where the- I see this kid's pain, I want to understand this kid's pain. I'm not I'm not about to give up on this kid just because he's lashing out and he's pushing people away was amazing. I didn't see it at the time like when I was that age because I was still growing. I was like 12 or 11. But seeing it now, I'm like this is like one of those everyday heroes that people talk about right like to have her sit there and have patience with me like that's amazing and she's an amazing person and and uh fun fact her husband is actually a musician musician too Hmm. he put he plays i'm pretty sure he plays folk music like i still talk to her to this day wow that's amazing i was just thinking i was going to ask you about that because uh, I too myself had a tough, tough time in school and there was like, I had no allies. Uh, my teachers were not my allies. And, uh, and um, I had this one teacher, Mr. Lin to this day, man, I love this character. And he really took, um, took a kin to me and really was there. And like, like, uh, like this teacher for you, I mean, without Mr. Lin, I mean, I would have, Honestly, I don't know what I would have done, but that was like grade six. So yeah, that's pretty remarkable that there are heroes in our life, you know, um, uh, that kind of everyday heroes, you know, everyday yeah. heroes. Yeah, totally. So then yeah. like the, the family life for me is just, it hasn't been perfect and it hasn't been normal in my eyes anyways, because so many people talk about, well, what's normal? How can you say what's normal? Well, normal to me Honestly, as somebody that gets to see both his parents or she gets to see both her parents or they get to see both their parents and and they live together, they're in love and it's a it's a happy home. Like of course happy homes do exist, but there is issues within the home. Of course, there's always going to be issues within within families because not you're not always going to get along. But to me, normal is like the white picket fence. The grass is always greener on the other side type situation. If, if that makes any sense to you. I don't yeah, know. that does. Um, uh, so, you know, growing up, uh, you know, in foster care and in and out of foster care, how, you know, how did that change your perspective, like uh, later on uh, as a young adult? and as an adult well in my 20s i was really bitter over it and even in my teen years i was really bitter over it because it like there's this line in this song that i wrote where it's like 
where I say too young to be adopted, too old to be forgotten, always stuck with a sense of caution, like every day could be a last chance to blossom. Can't shelter the pain like a homeless kid. So I fell to the flames emotionless. And basically what that line means to me and the reason I wrote it is because like when people go to a pet store, they want a baby, they want a puppy, they want a kitten. They don't want a, a, a grown cat or a grown dog. They don't. They want the pick of their lit. They want the pick of the litter, basically. Same goes for mo uh, most children in foster care. A lot of foster parents don't want to deal with a child that comes with those those requirements, where you have to have patience and understanding with these with these teenagers or even kids that are ten years old, even eight years old. So it shaped me in my teen years to be so bitter against the world, and even kind of in my adult years because. Because in my adult years, I kept losing people that I loved in several different ways. Some people took their lives. Some people drank their life away. Like, but I've lost so many people at this point where it's like, I could hate the world. I could literally hate the world and nobody would blame me for it. Right. If they actually knew the story, no one would blame me for it. They would understand, oh, this dude went through so much. I understand why he hates the world but I don't hate the world. I love the world. The world is such a beautiful place, even though the things that I've gone through, a lot of, a lot of people would turn to drugs or alcohol. And don't get me wrong, I have my vices. Like, I'm not perfect in any sense, and I'm not, I'm not putting that out there like I'm perfect, because in no way am I perfect. And I don't think I'll ever reach the point of being perfect, but I just hope to reach the point where I could be balanced where I can find peace within myself one day. And I'm working on that right now. Like it, every day is a challenge for me. And the one thing that my mom taught me without even knowing it at the time, and I don't even think, I don't even know if she knew it, but her not being the greatest parent in the world and throwing me literally to the wolves, even though she didn't mean to, I don't think she meant to because she was stuck in her own addiction. And I don't, I, I cannot hate her for being stuck in her addiction anymore because addiction is is a disease so i don't even think she knew she was doing this but she showed me what the world looks like when you're left to be when you're left to fend for yourself she showed me how people could truly treat you if you have no one there to really care about you are able to care about you i'm not saying she didn't care about me i know she loved me i know she did she just couldn't get past her addiction and it's a sad truth. She ended up passing away in 2016. I had to stand by her bed and lie to her. And honestly, I don't think it's a lie anymore. At the time, it was a lie when I was like, hey, we're going to be okay without you. Da, 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 da. And I had to say we'd be fine and stuff. And at the time, it was a lie. I just wanted her to basically pass in peace because mm -hmm. she was crying to me. She couldn't talk. And um, and now that I stand, now that I stand here before you as like a I would like, I would like to say a man. I used to be a shell of a man, but I think I'm a man now, honestly. And just thinking about that now, because I'm willing to grow now. Before, when she passed away, I wasn't willing to grow. I was numb. I was stuck in, in the ways of being bitter and being like, why did everybody leave me type situation? But I stand here before you as a man now, and I'm like, I didn't lie to her. We are, we are okay without her. We, we do miss her. And, and I'm speaking for my brothers and sisters. We do miss her. I know we miss her, but it was her time to go and there was nothing we could have done about it but just be there and try to make her as comfortable as possible. Sadly, one of my last happy memories with her, because I, I, I don't remember very many happy memories with my mother because I was so into being against her because of the alcohol. But the last good memory I had with her was pushing her around in her wheelchair in the hospital and just having a regular conversation with her. We weren't fighting. We weren't arguing. And the best gift she, could, she gave me in life was no matter what you go through, you could still survive it. And she gave me that strength uh, without me even knowing it. Because I, 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 to this day, don't drink, smoke, or do drugs. And it's not that I, it's a, it's not like it was ever a problem for me. It just never interests me. It never piqued my interest to be like, I need to drink. I need to do drugs. Though I've turned to alcohol like eight, 
I think I was going to say, but it's not eight. It's like seven or six times I've drank in my life. And it just, and I did it for the sake of like trying to harm myself, but I don't really want to get into that because like, I've talked about that so many times in my past that I now, now coming to understand that when, when you talk about your trauma, sometimes that's a trauma response where you talk about your trauma so much to push people away because that's your trauma response because you want to see at least this is my opinion anyways to me it's me talk when i talk about stuff like that i think it's my way of seeing who's going to stay and who's 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 not going to stay by shocking them with what i've gone through when really that's me not even giving them a chance to get to know who i actually am because let's be real how many people would actually stick around to somebody talking about suicide all the time talking about wanting to take their life all the time and I'm not saying I talk about it all the time, but I mean, like, I've talked, I've talked about the trauma in the past of when I have wanted to take my life or even attempted to at times. Right now in life, I want to do nothing but finally live for once. I was taught my whole life by the people I've seen pass, by their passing, not by the people, but by their passing, how to die. I was never taught how to live. And when people have tried to teach me how to live, I've pushed it away. Like people have tried to teach me how to cook or live a normal life and not be homeless and such, but I would be so stuck in my ways that I would push these people away. So just now at this age, I'm finally becoming the man that I'm a that I was supposed to be years ago, or maybe I wasn't supposed to be that man years ago. Maybe I, maybe now is when I'm supposed to be this man that I'm becoming because I'm learning how to cook. I'm learning how to take care of myself. I'm learning how to be the character and the morals that I've always wanted to have. So all that, all that negative stuff has turned into a positive. There's something positive always about my negative past. I love, I love that. And how you've turned um, kind of a reactionary uh, situation, potential reactionary situation to one's life and experiences. And you've said, Hey, you know, it is what it is. Let's learn and grow from it and let's get proactive. Uh, you know, it's understandable. Hey, look, you know, I've been, uh, I've been there too, where you're like, you know, you can, you can, uh, sulk in your sorrow and you could just sit there and just say, Oh, why me? And da, 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 da. but that, nothing's going to change the past. And essentially you're not going to learn and grow, but you know, I do find value in, I think there is value in understanding who you are and, and how you came to be and all that happened to you that was like, you know, environmental factors, socio-political factors, socio-economic factors, all that stuff is important. But then, hey, I'm here today. I'm aware of these situations. What am I going to do now, you know, to get proactive, which is seems like uh that you've done which is good on you amazing um now how how did that how did kind of that lifestyle um affect well first before i get into there I, I, when did you kind of get into music and and um what was your first introduction to hey maybe i want to pursue uh, uh some sort of musical career or i got to write poetry i got to spit uh lyrics when did that come about uh, it's actually a funny story uh my cousin and me one day out of nowhere we decided to start a rap group and uh and we were like we could do this <laughs> and so so he was the funny it was supposed to be like funny rap, but I could never write funny rap. I'm not a funny rapper. I'm not even, I don't even think I'm a funny person. Right. Like, I try to be funny sometimes and I just say corny stuff and I screw up the joke or whatever. <laughs> Cause I'm, I'm, I'm too serious most times. So right. he would write the joking parts. And then uh, the first rhyme I ever wrote was when I was 15 and it was, it goes like this and it, and you can, you can see and tell that it was serious and that there was no joking in the line and that there was potential to to be an actual good lyricist and it goes uh day by day trying to make a buy thinking of the day when my pops passed away that's when it all went down the drain i still feel the pain i still feel ashamed of what i could have done what i should have done 5 a.m sitting in the hallway thinking of the day that and i don't remember the rest but that's the only lines i remember and that was our first ever song and it was called day by day and then he wrote his line 
And then we wrote a couple more songs after that, but we never really pursued it because I was too stuck in my ways to really commit to anything. So even now, if I would have stuck with everything, I would have been further along in, in, I guess you could say, I could have even made it a career of becoming an artist, but I didn't, I didn't stick with the tools or learn the tools that were, that I could have used to become an, a successful artist when it, when it comes to music and poetry. I've done poetry readings and I've done a few rap shows and stuff like that, but I never pursued it as, as much as I should have. I never put the work in like I should have put in when I was in my 20s. So like... Why do you think uh, that is? It had to do with bitterness, like not knowing my worth. I I didn't think I was worthy enough to not live a life where I had to sleep outside. I didn't think I was worthy enough for people to love who I am as a person because I didn't love who I was. And I think that's what it had to do with but now, like, I'm writing an album. I'm going to come out with an album in the next year or two. Most likely this year, the album's coming out. But it all depends on COVID. Mm-hmm. So I'm pursuing that. But it's not like it's not like a goal of mine to become famous off. It was never a goal to become famous in the sense of, like, love me. Please love me. It was a... The goal in, in building this music was that when no one was there to support me when I needed it, music was there to support me. It was there to catch me when I fell. It was there to tell me to get up when I was feeling down. It was there for my darkest nights and my darkest moments in life. So, like, that's why I write music. I write it hoping that it could save somebody else when they're in those dark moments, when they're feeling down, when they're like, nobody knows how I feel. Maybe my maybe the song that I put out, MDD, is exactly how somebody feels. Maybe they need those lyrics. Maybe they need those lyrics more than I ever needed those lyrics that I wrote down even for myself. Because I've I've listened to music that I feel like, yeah, the artist wrote it down, but maybe maybe this this song saved me more than it saved that person. But we'll never know because I'll never meet the artist or whatnot. Right. But no, I definitely do agree with you and that, um, you know, a lot of times music... Um, saves us, and then, and then we, you know, we're kind of as artists, we're giving back to the medium, which in this case is music. You're giving back to music, you know. It's like, you know, it's like you, um, music gifted you, and you're returning the gift through creating more music. I mean, there's value to that, and that's a it's- noble. <laughs> That's very noble. Exactly. Like, and shout outs to my cousin Danny. Like, <laughs> if, if not for him, I wouldn't be the writer that I am. I wouldn't right. be, I honestly wouldn't be the man that I am if not for him. Like, uh, he, in my teen years, he was, he was there for me a lot. Like, when my mom would kick, kick me out sometimes, he would, he would let me come to his house. We would always, his house would be the hangout house. We'd play video games and everything at his place. And we both grew up similar similar lives. Like he lost his mom the same way I lost my mom. He lost his brother and I lost my brother. So like we were always, we were the last ones a part of the group that we had growing up. And we still talk to this day. We still play video games. He doesn't write anymore or anything like that, but it's fine. It's just, if not for him, he's one of the people in my life that made me grow into the man that I'm becoming. Awesome. Honestly, like. awesome. Um, so your po- your poetry and lyrics—they're inspired mostly by true life experiences, right? And where do you they're find inspired by by all life experiences, all life experiences yeah. that you've gone through? And where do you find the strength to put yourself out there in such a vulnerable fashion? You know, because it, ta- it you know you are basically putting you know, your authentic self out there for everyone to consume. Like there, uh, there's good, there's gotta be strength in that because, you know, uh, if you're weak mentally, you cannot do that. And emotionally. I, I think it has to do with the fact that like, I've always wanted people to be real with me and straightforward and honest. Right. And sometimes I can't take people's honesty. Like I'm going to be real with you on that. Sometimes the blunt honesty offends me or hurts my feelings. 
but I, I would rather have someone hurt my feelings with truth than hurt my feelings with lies. Right. So like, and it also has to do with that trauma response thing. I think me putting that stuff out there also is connected with my trauma response of not letting people get too close. Right. So I think after this, because this whole album, when I'm done, this album, this album is for me to put my pain out there and let everything go that I've been suffering with and holding on to. Because I had, uh, I have a, how do I put this? I always had a problem with letting people love who I am as a person. So I would, I would do whatever it could to sabotage. I would self-sabotage any situations of success because I was so scared of when I find, I was so scared of finally finding the love that I've seen in so many romance movies or even people's lives where if it got, when it, when it finally got to me, would I accept it? Because all I ever knew was pain. Pain is love to me. Abuse is love. Mm -hmm. But since I've been changing my mindset with the help of like my fiance, and going through stuff with her, she's such an amazing soul. And like the way that she's, she's helped me want to make myself grow better as a man. And, and to see how she is so much a hard worker when it comes to doing her things. And she's an artist as well. It's just amazing that I get to be in contact with certain people that want to want to make me want to change better as a person. It's not, they come to me and like, you have to change. It's that I see them and I'm like, if I want to keep these people in my life, like my cousin, like my fiance, like certain friends of mine, I have to catch up to their level of success and success can mean anything. Like it can mean like, it can mean money. It can mean careers. It could mean pretty much anything working out that's successful to someone including myself like i i like working out so it's like just just seeing them and they inspire me to be better mm-hmm. seeing how hard they work to get past their stuff inspires me to want to be better so like that's why that's one of the reasons why i am the man who i am right now in this moment is because of people like my cousin and me, my fiance so it's like it's just it just amazes me that the universe sends you these people to teach you a lesson while they're in while they're in your life. Right. And some right. of them stay and some of them go. But when they're there in the moments with you, you just you have to try your best or do your best even to embrace those moments with those people. Because I've learned I've learned the the real way that people people eventually pass away. Yeah, there's lessons in all relationships, right? So, I mean, as, as long as you go into a relationship knowing that, that there is a reason for this and um, that will help you to, you know, make deposits into the emotional bank account, you know, where where the currency is agreed upon between the two individuals and you're just building this beautiful um, relationship, you know? whether it's work, corporate, personal, you know, th- that all applies. I mean, there's a reason why we're having these relationships in our lives. And I'm glad you have a, a great relationships that uh, sound like are uplifting rather than, you know, uh, the opposite. But let's talk about a sensitive subject that you wanted to talk about, mental health. Is there a particular... I, I look. I'm no mental health expert. I'm just putting that yeah. out there. So this is this question and conversation is through the, the lens of just you know I've had to deal with mental health myself, and and I'm not an expert. Um, but you know, is there anything in particular you want to talk about mental health? Well, but to go off what you what to finish what I was saying before, like me speaking about like the relationships I have with like my fiance and my cousin and friendships, they're not perfect in any way. No way there is there perfect. Perfect. We have our hiccups. We, we argue, we have our disagreements, but we always find a way to fix it and work it out. And sometimes that's on me to be like, Hey, I messed up. I apologize. And same goes for other people in my circle. Like in no way are we perfect, but we find ways to make it work. 
and to get through it. And that's that's the thing that that I want people to understand that it's not just I found these people and everything just worked out. No, it was hard work, it was dedication, it was effort, and it was patience. And it was understanding. As for the mental health aspect, like like and that has to go with it too, because I suffer from uh, I suffer from depression and a few other stuff. And uh, the hardest thing about talking about mental health is that we're in an, in a place now where they are starting to get help for people that have mental health issues. But before it was like, get over it is what I would hear from a lot of people. Stop feeling sorry for yourself. Right. And it's like, really? I wish I could stop. I wish I could get over it. I wish I was sad. Like, yeah. <laughs> like if I was sad, I'd get over it. But I live, yeah. I live day to day where my brain is telling me I'm not worth it. Yeah. When, when, when now I'm, I'm living, fighting that, that. I would say my demons constantly telling me I'm not good enough, and then my positive side, I guess you could call my angels, are being like, "But you are good enough. You can make it. You are talented. You are a good person." You're not what your brain is telling you you aren't because it's like head versus heart a lot of the times. So when it comes to depression and stuff and mental health, the one thing I would like to talk about when it comes to that stuff is, is like, if you're going to, if you have any family members that are depressed or even if you're depressed or you, you have some type of mental health issue, if you're dating somebody that has a mental health issue, please be patient with them. Or if you, like I said, if you have mental health issues, find a way to tell, ask these people to be patient with you. Ask them, share with them books, studies, so that they have a better understanding how to be patient with you and how to talk to you. Because the way we need people to talk to us when we suffer from mental, mental illness is, is different for everybody. For me, it's be honest with me. For me, it's just be straightforward with me. For some other people, it's like, give me time to open up and then I'll open up to you. But, it, but the problem with, with, with that situation when it comes to like relationships and friendships, sometimes we don't, uh, we don't see it for what it, what's actually there. People put on a smile for the most part when they're depressed. They put on that mask when they leave the house. And nobody really knows it. And then out of nowhere, that person takes their life. And we're like, damn, we didn't even know. Mm. And we've heard that story over and over again. Yeah. So how can we change that story? How we change that story is we change the way we react to people. We change the way we react to certain situations. Because I remember, I remember the last time... I tried to hurt myself. I was sitting on the bus and the bus driver was just straight rude to me. And I was getting on the bus to go to my destination to hurt myself. And I'm sitting there and this person, I'm like, this person doesn't even know right now that I'm going to go hurt myself. And this person's just being rude to me. Hmm. Like, think about that. That's why, like, like, words are like weapons in a sense when it comes to certain situations like that so it's like you need to you need to really be careful with what you say to people because you don't know what they're going through yeah it's almost... and that's that sorry go ahead. no sorry go on no no no, go no, no, no go ahead <laughs> oh sorry finish it's... your thought yeah no it was uh and that's just it i'm still learning that because sometimes i'll flip out on people right like sometimes I'll flip out when they're feeling down and I'll be like, dang it, I screwed up. Like I apologize. And sometimes I'll apologize right away. I'm learning how to apologize right away now, which is a really good thing. Yeah. Before it would take me hours, sometimes days to be like, I was wrong <laughs> because of my pride. But I'm now learning how to be like, I'm sorry, I messed up. Yeah. There's really strength in that. Um, you know, the more confident you are as an individual and the higher the level of self-efficacy that you have about your movement and who you are and how you present yourself, the easier 
it is for you to, you know, call yourself out and, and, or apologize. I mean, look, we're not perfect. We all make mistakes. And Hey, if I notice that I've made a mistake, I'm going to apologize, you know, or yeah. do my best to remedy that. Um, I, so I understand you've been at a crossroads in life, at least once that you've shared, meaning, you know, a life or death situation. What kind of inspired you to continue fighting to live a healthy and more balanced life? Was there, you know, was there uh, an internal master that spoke to you? Did you hear a voice? I mean, was there a, a, a memory? Uh, any, can you speak to that if there was something? I think the best way I could put it is I was shocked back into reality. I was I was on autopilot when I was going to get to the point where I wanted to get to when I was at that crossroads I was on autopilot my mind was like it's over say goodbye tell everybody you're going to be there soon and then something happened so it was so little but I feel like it was <clears throat> I feel like one of the people that passed away sent this this situation to happen where it shocked me back into into reality when i was just on autopilot it was like basically when somebody dies and you you get to the defibrillator that's basically what i can relate it to was i'm meant to be here there's a reason i'm here what is the reason now i need to go find that reason wow. so it was like it was just something small but it, it was small enough to bring me back right and is it fair to say that that's what kind of inspired change in you oh that's definitely what inspired change in me was that that moment of realizing that i'm meant to be here and if i want to keep everything that i'm i'm growing with right now i need to change because nobody's going to want to be in my life if i'm not going to change if i'm just going to sit there and do nothing and i wouldn't deserve to be in their lives if i was sitting there and doing nothing you have room for everybody sure i agree i will put that out there right now you have room for everybody in your life everybody the depressed person the sad person the hurt person the the angry person i would even say you have room for the person that is isn't your favorite person in the world at all like a family member you don't get along with at all but there's room for everyone. You just have to choose where they fit. I don't want to be the person where I'm last on their list. I don't want to be that person where I have, where I understand that I'm last on the list because what are they benefiting from me being in their life? If I just sit there and do nothing with my life. Same goes for me. If somebody's in my life and they're, they're not following through with, with what they're saying or trying to do in life, what do I benefit from their connection with me? Because I believe in energies. If I'm here draining other people's energy, why would they want to be around me? Right. Like it really comes down to that. And it's, it's a hard pill to swallow when you're in depression or you're sitting there sulking, not really feeling sorry for myself. It's more so like I'm just a piece of crap. I'm worthless. I don't deserve to be here. I don't deserve the per people that love me, but it's up to me to get out of it. And it's truly up to me to get out of that slump. Everybody can do anything for me. They can be like, hey, let's go do this. Let's do this. Here's some money. Here's some love. That's not going to make me get out of it. It's going to be me that chooses to get out of it. And I made that choice. And now, and I may talk about like my life is, it may sound like my life is good, but right now my, mentally my life is good right now, but I'm still rebuilding my life financially, physically, and mentally. Mm -hmm. Like I'm not perfect still. Like I don't think I'll get to the point of where I think I'll be successful in my mind in, in like five years, maybe four years if I push to get there. <laughs> Excuse right. me if I push to get there sooner. So right now, my first stage is improving my mind and my heart and my and learning how to control my emotions and think logically instead of emotionally. Right. 
Um, and this, it's fair to say that requires a level of uh, patience. Yes. You have to patience. be patient with yourself. You have to be patient with, you know, your environment, you know. Um, how do you practice patience? Um, I I started doing a lot of not reading because I listen to audiobooks because I I don't like reading. Eventually, I'll probably read because I don't want to I don't want to shut that door completely because mm -hmm. because maybe reading is a I know reading is a is a great way to get information. For me right now, though, audiobooks have been helping me watching YouTube videos on how to be more more aware of my situation because i'm socially awkward i am anti-social i am introverted very introverted i like being inside i love being inside so like learning how to be social in a way where i'm not like making people feel awkward is what I'm what I'm learning to do now. So having patience, I learned a lot of patience being in my relationship that I'm in now. Mm -hmm. That's why I'm saying this person really helped me grow. Like my, my fiance helped me grow a lot because of the patience we both had to learn to have with each other. And then doing my research on ways to better me as a human being also branches off into other relationships, like friendships, family, stuff like that. So I would say research has Research and practice has done the best for me when it comes to learning that patience. Right, right. Um, self-worth. Let's talk about self-worth. Um, has self-worth, your self-worth, fluctuated over time? And if so, how do you manage it? Um, my self-worth, for the most part, my self-worth has never, I've never felt worthy of who I am and the body that I'm in, mm. but there has been spans, like moments, I would not spans, I would say moments, spans is the wrong word. Uh, there's been moments where I've seen that I'm worth something and like starting now I'm trying to find what I'm worth. What am I worth to myself? I'm not worth money. I know that because I don't, I don't live life by thinking money defines my worth. Right. I think I'm worth a happy life that I could never have as a child. I think I'm worth finally being able to have uh, a wife and kids. I think I'm worth finally loving who I am, but loving who I am is going to take a lot of patience, time, and effort. And I hope I can reach it before my life passes because we're not, we're not promised tomorrow. Life may be short, but life is also long, <laughs> if you think about it. Yeah. So my, my self-worth is I'm worth everything that I'm willing to put the work in for. Right, right. Well said. I like that. Um, let's pivot to your single MDD for those, <laughs> for those that don't know, it stands for major depression disorder. And, um, you know, I listened to the track. It's a beautifully, uh, crafted song. Was there a moment where you're like, okay, I got to create this. Did it happen over time or, uh, what's the uh, story behind MDD? It it happened literally over time, like a span of a span of 10 years, mm -hmm. a span of 10 years, because there's lyrics in there that were written five years ago. There's lyrics in there that were written eight years ago. So not I wouldn't say there's probably even lyrics that were written 11 years ago, to be honest, that are in MVD. But I pieced it all together right in, in two months in 2019, December of 2019 is when I started. I got the beat. Um, I got the beat. We uh, from Music Nomad. They they set up the studio time. Uh, the first ever person that I got along with 
first time ever getting along with a with a producer and uh, and when I met him at first I was cautious but then I met him and he was just chill like he was he was so calm he was so collective in the moments mm-hmm. I, I think I'm saying it correctly I could I might be saying it wrong so I apologize if I said it wrong but his name is Emmanuel Ellis Ellis I, I he's French so I don't know if I'm saying his name properly <laughs> right 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 but he was he was so down to earth. He was so amazing. He was so understanding, and just talking with him, he he made me feel like I'm at. Basically, he's like he made me feel like I'm not just here to record and kick you out. I'm here to actually get to know you and why you wrote this track. Right, right. Yeah, and then like, and it would, and the track wouldn't be wouldn't have been possible without uh, Joel from uh, Music Nomad. So shout out to Music Nomad. For uh, doing that for me, and the, the Music Nomad is a record label based out of Montreal or yeah, Quebec, based, well, based, based out of Montreal. Montreal. Nice, based shout out Montreal. to them. Awesome, awesome. Um, now you ha- you you spoke to uh, upcoming uh, project in the form of an album. How far into it are you? You said 2021. Hopefully this year you can, because you released. Um, MDD really, March 24, 2020, is that correct? No, a, I'm pretty sure it was April. April? April 24th of okay. 2020, I'm pretty sure, yeah. But okay. I also could be wrong because I didn't look back on it, but I'm pretty sure it was April 24th. But anyways, okay. I I screwed up in the sense of releasing it. I should have released something else like months after. I should have released a music video right after, but I didn't. Mm-hmm. So with the with the album, I want to release two singles before releasing the album, and release a couple music videos before releasing the album. So I'm thinking more so 2022 is when the album will come out, but there'll be a couple singles that come out this year. Awesome, awesome. So we're gonna hold you to that, my friend. We're gonna, <laughs> <laughs> gonna be expecting music from you this year. Um, how has COVID affected your creative, uh, your creativity, and your creative process? honestly it hasn't mm-hmm. it hasn't i i'm a homebody so covid didn't didn't wreck my life at all <laughs> i guess introverts <laughs> kind of were in self-isolation <laughs> prior to covid yeah uh, i was prepared for covid before covid <laughs> was even a thought right 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 um so your workflow like when you want to create a song from scratch what does that entail talk us through your workflow when you want to create a song from scratch um i i go and watch other rappers like music videos and stuff or i go listen to other rap music and stuff and sometimes it's not rap music i listen to either to get the creative uh the creativity flowing mm-hmm. uh, sometimes i'll listen to indie uh there's a guy named matt mason who i listen to he's i don't know what genre he is but he's amazing uh who else do i listen to that gets me going um so essentially you're inspired by kind of just listening to other music yeah basically listening to other music and then that inspires you and then and then you start uh yeah i I start writing yeah nice nice and um once you do that, you kind of then okay. You have you know I write you write your lyrics and then you start spitting uh, rhymes on it and and or <laughs> yeah. do you do you like do you get the beats and uh, when you get the beats involved? Uh, the beat the beats come after. after I write you. I write first and then the beats come after. And the beats <clears> come <throat> after. Right on. Right on. Um, now talk to us about some like personal habits that you think may contribute to a healthy lifestyle, you know, whether it's meant to contribute to mental health or your maybe workflow or just habits you realize, hey, you know, I'm going to keep these habits. I'm going to get rid of those habits. Is there something that you could share with us? Uh, I just started doing habits, honestly, for myself. I'm not Mm going to sit here and bullshit. Like I have habits and my habits were mostly bad habits before. Like, Mm -hmm like waking up late and stuff like that now i'm waking up way earlier i'm working out i'm choosing to write at certain hours like 
forcing myself to sit down for like an hour and write. Right. I'm listening to audiobooks while I sleep. Because in my mind, I'm thinking that I'm still taking in the information while I'm sleeping. Mm-hmm. But I'm also doing that while I'm awake too. But it's just like, why listen to music while I sleep when I can listen to information that could be that that could be processed while I'm sleeping and right. still help me progress as a human being when I wake up. So right now I wanna I've been waking up at seven. It would go from seven to nine a.m. But I want to get to the point where I start waking up at five a.m. because I want to get an early jump on the on on the day because I really want to fill my day with being productive. Right. Because if I really want to reach that self worth that I keep talking about, then I need to build the habits that are going to get me there. Waking up at two p.m. isn't going to get me there. I love that. I love that. Well, it was a really a pleasure speaking with you. I got to know you uh, through this interview. Um, is there anything else that you want to share that we didn't touch on? Um, I'll go back to mental health really quickly before we sure. before we end this. If anybody out there right now is suffering suffering from depression or any type of mental illness, and you feel like you you're you're at the end and you want to end it, I honestly want to try and talk you off the edge because when you're gone you're gone and you don't know who you're gonna hurt you really don't and honestly you don't know what you have what life has in store for you a week from now two weeks from now even a year from now so i know if you're in i know that you're in pain right now i know you're suffering from whatever you're going through but there's always a way out. There's always a positive way out. There's always a place you could go eventually, even if you have nowhere to go. There's always a place you can eventually get to in life where you will be living your best life. So all I ask is like, please just hold on because you can find peace. I promise you that. And it's worth it. It really is because life is not easy, but definitely worth it and we'll share some links that you may want to provide any kind of links for individuals who want to seek out help we'll share that in the description in the show description as well for sure um again thank you i agree with everything you said if you're out there struggling with mental health or you're just struggling with life Please continue fighting. There's help out there, and we will definitely share some resources uh, with, in the description. So let's communicate sacredness. Let's build it, and let's share it.